What is wisdom? Well, Proverbs 1.7 says, fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So in many ways, it's, it's asking, where is God in this? But then also, wisdom is competence with regard to the realities of life, is what Tim Keller would say. And obsession smothers that. Whenever we become so irrationally and unconsciously obsessed with a destination, with a goal, with something three years from now, we lack the ability to ask, where is God right now? We lack the ability to be wise. And I don't want that for you. And so unhealthy growth is obsessed with the destination. Healthy growth, it's enjoying the process. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. One of the principles that serves as a core tenet for everything that we believe, practice, and teach at Path for Growth is the idea that health and growth are not the same thing. And we've all heard it before. People say, if you're not growing, you're dying. And and we like to sound real tough whenever we say that. Remember, if you're not growing, you're dying. Well, one of the things that we know to be true is just because you're growing doesn't mean you're living. And I know so many businesses and so many people that are growing, but are just as dead as those that aren't. So just because you're growing doesn't mean you're living. Just because you're growing doesn't mean you're healthy because health and growth are not the same thing. But one of the things that I've observed and our team has observed and that we've really tried to step into as an organization is just this idea that healthy growth is possible. It's just not guaranteed. And one of the things that we know to be true is that it never happens accidentally. A business doesn't stumble or fall into healthy growth. And certainly a person or a leader doesn't stumble or fall into or get surprised by healthy growth. It doesn't happen accidentally or haphazardly. It always happens because a leader decide to exercise extreme, outrageous, unprecedented intentionality. And so that really serves as the foundation for today's episode, because today's episode is actually taken from one page that we've taught from in our past two in-person experiences, the one that we did in Nashville and the one that we did in Brooklyn, New York. Because one of the assertions that we made that kind of... uh, Because one of the assertions that we made in both of those experiences was the idea that we kind of have two paths for growth in front of us. And yes, the fact that you're growing doesn't mean that you're healthy. And so what we're looking at whenever we talk about healthy growth is the way that you grow. And so what we're going to walk through today is these two paths, these two options that we have. And one represents a style and an approach and a paradigm for growth, both for you and your business that is fragile, feeble, frantic, and weak. And the other path represents a path for growth that is healthy and centered and stable and strong. 
Now, what I'm not going to tell you is that you're going to be on one of these paths perfectly 100% all the time. But what I will tell you is that the leaders and the organizations that I see that are actively practicing healthy growth, they're committed to walking on the second path. And anytime they find themselves falling into or trending towards or or deviating towards the first path that I'm going to share with you, well, they confront it. And they actively take steps to work away from it. So am I asking you to be perfect in order to be healthy? Absolutely not. What I'm asking you to be is I'm asking you to be committed. And so what we're going to walk through is 11 dichotomies. And we're not going to spend too much time on each because I think they're actually pretty simple to understand. But the reason why we're going to walk through these is because I think it's in the contrast that we understand what it looks like to grow for the sake of growth. And we say it all the time within the Path for Growth community, growth for the sake of growth is dead. If you don't have a reason to grow and if you're not growing in such a way that makes it makes you more of the person that you're created to be and more of the business that you're created to be, if you're not growing for some greater, grander, bigger reason, it's just growth for the sake of growth and that is dead. It's overrated. It's toxic. And so we're going to challenge you in this to pursue a style of growth that's healthy, centered, stable, and strong. And the way that I want us to walk through this is by examining and understanding these 11 dichotomies. So we're going to walk through them one at a time, and I'm going to give you the fragile, feeble, frantic, and weak path. And then I'm going to give you the healthy, centered, stable, and strong path. And I'll tell you, the way that I formatted this content and the way that I went about writing this content is largely through observation. Observation of myself from seasons where I've operated from a posture of being fragile and weak and frantic, where in many ways I'm leading my life and business from a posture of panic. And then I compare that to the seasons where not because circumstantially everything is okay, oftentimes it's not, but because I'm okay, I lead from a posture of centeredness and stability and strength and health. And so it's observation for myself internally, but then it's also observation externally. I've been working with business leaders and business owners for over a decade. Our our team works with people from all around the country now, leaders of businesses, and we see people walking these two paths, right? We, We get to collide with businesses that are healthy and centered and stable and strong. We get to see how the fruit of that mindset and that path in the life of a leader has an overflow effect organizationally into the lives of their teams and even into the lives of their team's families. But then, unfortunately, we also collide with individuals and with people who are leading their business and, and running their business from a frantic state and from a posture of panic and who are on the hamster wheel or in survival mode and have no interest in getting off, oftentimes because they don't know there is a way to get off. And what I want to tell you is that there's a way to get off and it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen because circumstances change necessarily. It happens because a leader makes a decision to say no more. I'm not going to lead from a posture of panic. I'm not going to practice unhealthy growth any longer. I'm going to reorient my values, my priorities, the structure of this business. I'm going to do whatever it takes and change whatever I need to about myself and about our business and about our organization and about this Energize to practice healthy growth. That's how it happens. And 
yes, that can be gut-wrenching. It can take time. It can require patience and energy. But what I will tell you is it's absolutely worth it. And I hope that this episode makes that case today. So we've got 11 dichotomies to walk through. Let's start with number one. Number one for the fragile, feeble, frantic, and weak path. This is a path that is emotion, problem, and reaction-driven. So often the leaders and businesses that are on this path, they do the things they feel like doing and they don't have a system of priority and they don't have a system of knowing which fires to put out and which ones not to. They just respond to the fire that burns the brightest or the voice that screams the loudest. And so they're like a ping pong ball and organizationally there's no sense of focus because they're constantly reacting and and they're constantly changing their vision and changing their direction based on what they're excited about or what they want to avoid or what they want to look at or what other people's opinions are saying or what they think the industry is saying. And and they never actually make any legitimate progress towards one destination because they never actually decide a destination. They're emotion, problem, and reaction driven versus the healthy, centered, stable, and strong path. What is that path? They're priority, plan, and process driven. The greatest leaders that I know don't wait for everything to be convenient and comfortable to establish a plan. They know that the way to grow a business is to start operating with a sense of priority and plan, even when everything feels like chaos currently. Because the only way to subdue chaos into order organizationally is not to just follow chaos until it becomes convenient. It's to say, no, we are going to scratch and claw and subdue this chaos into order. And the way that you do that is by entering every single day, every single meeting, every single quarter, every single project with a sense of priority, with a plan of action, and with a process. And I'll tell you, the greatest leaders that I know and the most centered and stable and healthy businesses that I know, they have this in common, that they are not driven by their feelings, they are not driven by the fires, but rather they are driven by what matters and that dictates their schedule. Now, are there certainly times where things interfere and where their focus is drawn away from the plan or from the priority? Absolutely, but they don't abandon the priority, they just momentarily look away from it. And most of the people that I know that are frantic and feeble and panicked, they don't have a sense of priority to begin with, so they're always operating in the realm of ambiguity. That's a really tough place to be because it's hard to know if you're ever making progress if you never even clarified a destination. And so if we want to move towards being healthy, centered, stable, and strong, we've got to have a sense of priority. We've got to have a plan for what we're doing and why we're doing it. And we've got to be driven by process and not just by our emotions. Okay, let's move to number two. The frantic, feeble, fragile, and weak approach is plagued by comparison. This actually connects to number one directly. This is a path for growth where your eyes are constantly looking at what's going on around you. 
and you're scrolling Instagram and seeing the businesses in your industry, and you're reading books about all of these incredible leaders, and instead of being inspired by them or saying, how can we take those concepts and apply those in our business, you constantly are comparing yourself and the message that we're going to get into deeper as we go in this episode that you're playing in your mind is, man, I'm seeing their highlight reel. I'm seeing their front of house and I'm comparing their front of house to my backstage and I feel less than and I feel not enough. And you start to beat yourself up and you start to see all the benefits of being elsewhere and you compare all those benefits of being elsewhere to all of the imperfections of being where you are. And therefore you just become stagnant and stultified. And you can do this on a personal level where you look at all these leaders and you compare your inadequacies to their confidence, or you can do this on an organizational level. And I have seen entire businesses with hundreds of people that are plagued by comparison. That the entire enterprise, organizationally, it's like it's a culture thing where people are constantly looking at what everyone else is doing. But there is a better way. There is a better path. So while the people that are unhealthy and toxic are plagued by comparison, what, what are the people that are healthy doing? What are the leaders and businesses that are healthy doing? Well, the unhealthy ones are plagued by comparison. The healthy ones are preoccupied with commitments. I once heard it said that commitment is when you fall in love with something to such a degree that you put structure around it for the times when you no longer feel in love with it. I think it was David Brooks that said that in his book, The Second Mountain. And that's such a powerful idea for business leaders to understand. Because we get this idea whenever we look around us, if we're not careful, that when you're in the right business and when you're really leading correctly, you're going to absolutely feel love all the time. And folks, that's just not reality. And that's not the way mature leaders understand their role. And it's certainly not the way mature leaders act. What do mature leaders operate from? Well, they operate from a sense of deep-seated commitment. And what do we say commitment was? Well, it's when you fall in love with something such a degree. So you should love it, right? I want you to do what you love, but let's remember love is a verb, right? It means to pour yourself out, to pour everything you are into the best interest of this thing. That's love. Love is a verb. But when you fall in love with something to such a degree that you put structure around it for the times when you no longer feel in love with it, You know, I'm not married, but I hear that's a pretty good approach for marriage. And certainly, it's also a pretty good approach for our work and for our business. That we don't have time to look at what everyone else is doing and to be plagued by comparison because we're too preoccupied with the structure that we've put around this thing that we're in love with. And the people that are healthy are preoccupied with the commitments that are in front of them. So if we want to follow a healthy path, we should ask the question really critically, what am I committed to in this season? And, and like, don't take that question lightly because the people that really know the value and power of commitment, they never take that question lightly. But then once you're committed be preoccupied with that commitment and be so invested and devoted and dedicated to those commitments that are in front of you that you don't have time to look and pay attention to what everyone else is doing. Listen, if you watch a track race on television, and it's so cool, these cameras that can zoom in on these people that are running, I mean, just incredible speeds and and doing a, a 400 or a 100 meter dash or something like that. 
If, if you watch those runners that are absolutely elite, that are masters of their craft, that will spend months and years and even decades to run this hundred meters or this one lap around the track, what's interesting is if, if you watch them, they're clearly acknowledging what's going on in their peripheries, right? So they know what's going on around them and they have an awareness of what's going on around them. But never once do they turn their head to the left and right to be preoccupied or plagued with what the other runners are doing. Why? Because they're running their race. And the quickest way to make sure they don't cross the finish line first is to become way too obsessed with what the other people are doing. And so we can't be people that are plagued by comparison. We have to be preoccupied with the race that we are running. We have to be preoccupied with the commitments that are uniquely ours to steward. Okay, let's move to number three. Those that are unhealthy are distracted. Those that are healthy are present. Think about that word distraction. 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 So often we say we want traction in our business, But often, whenever we're in meetings or whenever we're working on projects or whenever we're uh, trying to apply ourselves to what the business needs from us most right now from a leadership perspective, we've got our phone out. We've got social media open. There's multiple tabs open on our computer. We're having multiple different conversations. We're listening to someone while we're typing on our computer. And then we complain that we don't have traction. Well, distraction, which I would say all of those things represent, social media, your computer, not fully listening, not being completely present, right? Distraction is the opposite of traction. Dis, it means lack of, it means the absence of. So we are saying like when you are distracted, like we can laugh about that and say, oh, you know, I do this whole squirrel, squirrel, squirrel thing. But if you are doing the squirrel, squirrel, squirrel thing, and if you are a person that is perpetually distracted, maybe it's time to stop joking about that. And maybe it's time to start taking it seriously because maybe that distraction is the enemy of you finding traction in your life, in your leadership and your business. So what are healthy leaders? They're present Jim Elliott said, wherever you are, be all there. Abraham Lincoln said, whatever you are, be a good one. And what I would tell you is that presence demands that you put yourself fully in the place that you are. I love that idea that we must be where our feet are. And it's so easy not to. It's so easy to be in a billion different places. Technologically, that's really easy, but also mentally, it's incredibly easy to be a billion different places. And not only do you hurt others when you do that, but you also hurt yourself. So what would it look like for you to commit to being a more present leader? For you to be fully invested in where you are right now? And... What I will tell you is that the benefit of that will be that you will experience traction. And I'm not just talking about traction for your business, although I think that that's great. I'm talking about traction with your friendships. I'm talking about traction with your family. I'm talking about traction in your spiritual life. I'm talking about traction in your health. It demands that you be present with what you're doing, and that's what healthy leaders do. Let's go to number four. The frenzied, frantic, and fearful leaders dislike the person they are becoming. Think about the person that you were a year ago. What was your attitude like? What was your personality like? 
Were you more hurried a year ago? Were you more busy a year ago? Were you more frantic a year ago? Were you more selfish a year ago? Or would you say, man, a year ago, I was actually more humble than I am right now. And a year ago, I had more peace about me. And a year ago, man, I just feel like I had more confidence than what I have right now. And the people that are in a place of deep-seated unhealth that I've coincided with, and I've been in this spot before too, they don't like the person they're becoming. And they look at the person they're becoming, they say, man, compared to the person I was six months ago, a year ago, three years ago, I'm less of who I want to be. Compare that to the healthy leaders. Well, the healthy leaders like the person that they're becoming, regardless of external circumstances. This is not related to how your business is growing. This is not related to what's going on with your family. Do you like the person that you're becoming? Because if we were to take the trajectory that you've been on for the past year and multiply it by 20, would it take you to a place that you actually want to end up? And that's a question that is so outrageously important that we so often neglect. Do you like the person that you're becoming? Because the healthy leaders know that they are a work in process and that they should pay attention to the person that they're becoming because it's not like we're going to have this dramatic shift one day unless we actively make it happen. And we're not going to drift into excellence and we're not going to drift into character and we're not going to drift into integrity. And we're not just going to drift into being a calm and centered and present and healthy leader. It's going to happen because we took steps to get there. And if you want to be healthy as a person, the way to do that is not to compound seasons of panic. It doesn't work that way. And so do you like the person, the leader, the man, the woman, the husband, the wife, the parent, the Christ follower that you are becoming? And this connects to the next one as well. Number five, unhealthy, toxic, frantic, fearful leaders and businesses, they're frustrated by the organization that the business is becoming. Think about that same question. Think about the business, the enterprise, the organization that you ran three years ago, and now think about it today. Do you like what it's becoming? Or does it frustrate you? Are are there areas where you say, man, culturally, we're just not the same. Our values just aren't the same. And of course, change is inevitable. That's what I'm saying. But do you like the change that's happening? Because I love that idea that culture is either what you create or what you tolerate. And some of us may be tolerating things that we shouldn't be tolerating. And, and it's no wonder we're frustrated because we had this thing that was so good and it's somehow gotten off the rails. And oftentimes it gets off the rails for the sake of growth. And that is the opposite of practicing healthy growth. So what do healthy organizations and leaders do? Well, they like the organization the business is becoming. You know, it's so cool. I've coincided with businesses that, I mean, have scaled rapidly, have literally doubled in size over the course of the past couple of years. And I mean, doubled in terms of revenue, but also doubled in terms of team members. I know people that have hired over 150 people over the course of the past year and a half. Unreal. And it's so cool in talking to these people. Now, this isn't all of the leaders that I know, but in, with some of them and talking to them, it's crazy. They'll say, our culture is the strongest it's ever been. And the people that we're hiring, they're the best we've ever had. And, and I love leading this organization more. And the progress that we're making, it's just incredible. They like what it's becoming. And they say, man, if we just play this out over the course of the next five years, this is just going to be so fun. Now, it's not a given that that trajectory stays the same. 
they're going to have to guard it and cultivate it and be really intentional about it. But man, it's really cool to be on a trajectory that you say, I want this to continue. But here's what requires courage with regard to the person you're becoming, but also the organization that you're becoming. If I'm on a road trip uh, and I'm going, I'm driving from Austin, Texas to Cancun, Mexico. Very few people drive from Texas down to Cancun, but it's a pretty intense commitment. But let's just say we're doing that, right? So I'm going from Austin, Texas to Cancun and I've been in the car for, let's say, seven hours. And I've been in the car for seven hours. I'm driving, I'm cruising, I got the music turned up. And then I see a sign that says, welcome to Oklahoma, <laughs> uh, what an absurd example this is. But if I see that sign, do I just double down? Do I speed up? And do I say, well, we've already invested too much time and too much energy. So we just have to keep going because we've already come this far. No, we turn around. Why? Because we're going the wrong way. And if you don't like the person you're becoming, if you don't like the organization that your business is becoming, it is your responsibility to turn around, to make a 180 degree U-turn, to say, we are not going to continue this trajectory. And we're going to shift culturally. We may shift our people. We may shift my leadership style. But whatever we need to change, we need to change because we're not going to get to where we want to go, going the direction that we're going. Think about where you want to go culturally, organizationally personally, spiritually, with regard to your health, is the direction that you're going taking you there? And if not, what would a U-turn look like? Let's go to number six. The frenzied, frantic, and fearful leader and organization, by extension, is obsessed with a destination. You know, business goal setting, it's one of the things that uh, in, in some ways... I've learned a lot about in the past handful of years, and it just cracks me up because here's the thing. I've seen so many businesses, and I mean, massive corporations do this, set these goals, and they set these BHAGs. And I have nothing wrong with a BHAG, right? Clarity of vision is so important, but they set these BHAGs. And and here's the deal. Whenever the leaders are in the room setting these BHAGs, it's, it's the equivalent of licking your finger and sticking it up in the air to see which way the wind's blowing. It's so arbitrary. It's like, well, what could we do? Well, I mean, maybe we could do 7 million. Well, maybe we could do 12 million. I don't know. Maybe we could do 10 million. Okay. Let's say 10 million. And everyone's like, okay, 10 million it is. And, and I see the value in it. I really do. I, I can see the value in having an aim and, and knowing what we're shooting for and knowing what we're going towards. And I, I can see how that, that can be motivational and how it can be powerful. But what I don't understand is how people are bending over backwards, sacrificing their health, sacrificing their family, just stress beyond all belief because they're not hitting the arbitrary 10 million goal they set two years ago. And I just see people that are so absolutely cataclysmically obsessed with the destination that they have zero ability to enjoy and to embrace and to delight in today. And here's the deal. Contentment isn't around the corner. Contentment isn't in a destination. Joy isn't in a destination. And I know it sounds so cliche and so cheesy, but sometimes the truths that we most need to hear are joy is in the journey. Joy is in the process. And you got to find a way to not be absolutely 
irrationally obsessed with the destination. You got to figure out a way to partake in the process. One of my pastors at the church that I go to here in Phoenix said something in a message recently that was just so poignant and so powerful. He said, obsession smothers wisdom. And what is wisdom? Well, Proverbs 1.7 says, fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So in many ways, it's, it's asking, where is God in this, right? But then also, wisdom is competence with regard to the realities of life, is what Tim Keller would say. And obsession smothers that. Whenever we become so irrationally and unconsciously obsessed with a destination, with a goal, with something three years from now, we lack the ability to ask, where is God right now? We lack the ability to be wise. And I don't want that for you. And so unhealthy growth is obsessed with the destination. Healthy growth, it's enjoying the process. Now, that's not to say you can't have a destination and you can't even be excited about it and you can't even be really, really, I mean, determined to get there. I mean, we have a really robust vision document or vision charter for Path for Growth as a business right now. And so many of the businesses we work with have this as well that details exactly qualitatively and quantitatively where we want to be September of 2024. And you better believe that we are hustling to get there. But I'm not going to let the reality of that document of where we want to be in 2024 to keep me from enjoying and loving today. I got to figure out a, a way to love today. And, and if I can't figure out a way to love today, something's got to change. Either I've got to change the circumstances or I've got to change me. Because I've got to find a way to love today because today is all we've got. Enjoy the process. Unhealthy growth is consistently stressed about underachievement. And this is going to connect to another one we're going to talk about. It's just this idea of we're never doing enough and we're never quite there. And, and there's always more we can do. And they, they constantly have this like, what's next mentality. And, and I think there's value to what's next, right? In so many ways, that's a, that's a growth-oriented mindset of saying what's next. But it keeps them from ever celebrating what's now. And so this connects to what we just talked about. If you are so absolutely irrationally obsessed with what's next, you're going to miss out on what's now. And so instead of stressing about underachievement, what would it look like for you to experience contentment? And, and here's what I see most people struggle with as it relates to contentment. They think that contentment and complacency are the same thing. This is why I've literally talked with leaders that say, I'm just never content. I never want to be content. And, and they wear that as like a moniker of health in some ways. And I just look at that and I just feel so sad for them because I don't think they mean what their words are communicating. Because what is contentment? It's the ability to be present and grateful and delighted and joyful where you are right now. And to say, I'm just never content, that is not a good thing. Now, what is complacency? Well, it's stagnancy, entitlement, stultification, laziness, it's the type of thing where you've just, you've quit on life and you're probably already dead. You just haven't made it official yet. As John Maxwell would say, that's complacency. Those are two radically different things. Here's the leaders that I most respect and that I believe are most healthy. And I've seen this reciprocated in the culture of the organizations that they leave. They are so deeply delighted and present and grateful for today 
And they're so outrageously excited and driven and hopeful about the future. It's not one or the other. It's yes and. But here's the deal. That's going to be really hard for you to cultivate and for you to guard because there's not that many examples. Contentment today, it's countercultural. And so if you're going to opt in for this path for growth, you will be swimming upstream. It's way harder. And that's why you got to not opt in too much for comparison. And you got to say, I'm going to choose to love and delight and be grateful for today. And I'm going to run like crazy with hope for a better tomorrow. Experience contentment. Few more. This one's directly related. Fragile, feeble, frantic, and weak leadership strives for freedom in the future. They think that freedom's around the corner. They think that freedom is sitting on the beach with a margarita for four weeks. What does healthy, centered, stable, and strong leadership know? They know that freedom is possible today. Because in so many ways, freedom is an internal decision. John Piper says that freedom is the ability to do what will make you happiest in a thousand years. (laughs) And I mean, this took me like, literally, I I spent some time with that definition of freedom because I had, I had to learn it experientially before I could even understand it logically. Here's what I love about that definition though. Freedom is the ability to do what will make you happiest. So what we confuse with that is freedom is the ability to do what makes you happy. There's a difference between happy and happiest because if freedom is just the ability to do what will make you happy, then freedom is ice cream, right? But you and I both know that if I eat ice cream for half a day, I feel less free at the end of that half day than I did in the beginning. So it's not just happiness. It's not just temporal and fleeting. What makes me feel good right now, right? And so there's an element of delayed gratification associated with the things that make us feel the most free, So freedom is the ability to do what will make you happiest. It it will be the thing that will bring you the greatest joy and the greatest delight. And then here's the real kicker, in a thousand years. So a thousand years. What's not going to be here in a thousand years? Well, I'm not going to be here in a thousand years. You're not going to be here in a thousand years. Who knows if our businesses are going to be here in a thousand years? Data would say, nope, there's no way. And so what does that convey, what does that allude to? What does that imply? Well, it alludes to freedom being the thing that will make us happiest most as it regards our eternity and as it relates to our legacy. So what are the things that will matter most well after you're gone is the question that this definition is posing. And I've spent some time with that and and I've thought about this and it's like, what are the activities that I can engage in that will make me happiest over the long haul well after I'm gone? Well, the ability to love and worship God, the ability to love people, the ability to do work that I deem meaningful and loves God and loves people the ability to serve causes that I believe in and the ability to enjoy the life that I have with the people that I love. So think about that for a second. Worship God, love people, 
do work that is meaningful as it relates to those first two things, serve causes that I believe in, and enjoy life, eat, drink, and be merry with people that I love. Here's what's crazy, is as I run through that list, I say, yep, that's a great list of what actually matters over the long haul. That is, and and I honestly can't think of that many things that I would add to it. And maybe, you know, maybe you've got a, a wife and kids or, or a husband and kids and maybe providing for your family, maybe something that you would add to it right now. I, I would love for that to be on my list one day, right? But, but here's the deal. What's wild is all those things are outrageously possible right now. I can love God. I can love people. I can do work that I deem meaningful. And I, I can serve causes that I believe in. I can provide for my family, All of these things are outrageously possible right now where I am. And they're not really dependent on my income or the benefits that I'm getting, right? In many ways, it's a decision. And if I don't think the work that I'm doing is meaningful right now, I can change. And if I'm not able to worship God right now, I can change. And there's all these decisions that I have well within me that can move me towards feeling and doing things that will contribute towards freedom. And so, so often we don't experience freedom, not because we can't, not because we don't, but rather because we won't. We choose not to. So what would it look like for you to invest your time, your energy, your manpower, your faith, into the activities that would make you feel most free. And what's so cool is those are all radically possible today. Healthy leaders delight in the freedom that's in the present. Okay, a couple more. Unhealthy leaders are haunted by the idea that they are never enough. Here's what's interesting. Healthy leaders are humbled by the idea that they are never enough. We've talked about this on this podcast before, so I won't spend too much time on it. Matthew 5 says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a pretty radical idea because it's so countercultural. Because we all walk around with this nagging, logging idea of I'm just not enough. I'm inadequate. I'm not measuring up. I've got faults and fallibilities. Culture tells us, don't say that. Don't give yourself that voice. You are enough. You got to have some confidence. You got to have some self-esteem. They shake our shoulders. They say, you are enough. But that's not entirely accurate either because we know ourselves and we know like I've got imperfections. I've got fallibilities. There are areas right now where I'm just not measuring up. And so what do we do with that? Well, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not enough. And walking around with that as our mindset, our attitude, our paradigm for looking at the world perpetually, probably not good. But it's also not realistic to walk around and say, I'm always enough. So what do we do? Christ in me is enough. And I know some of you don't believe what I believe, and that's totally fine. I'm thankful that you're listening to this podcast. But I would tell you, I would find a way to get some resolution on this idea of never enough. Because I think if you don't find a way, you will always experience inner conflict. Because in my experience, the two options, I'm never enough, just awful self-deprecation, or I'm always enough, it's just not helpful. And so this posture of Christ in me is enough that thankfully I am a son or you are a daughter of the God of the universe and with God, all things are possible. And so, yes, I've got imperfections and faults and fallibilities, but God, but for the grace of God, and that grace has covered over those things so that I can move forward with courage 
and, and with boldness, and I can take action moving forward. And, and I do that from a posture of humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit looks a lot like humility. And healthy leaders are humbled by this idea of, no, I'm, I'm not enough, but Christ in me is enough. Frantic, fearful, weak, unhealthy leaders are surrounded by followers. They can't not be. You're too insecure. You are too insecure to develop other leaders if you're frenzied, frantic, fearful, and weak. You can't. You can't ever delegate real responsibility or real authority because you constantly have to have your grip on things. And so therefore, you've got a bunch of people that are looking to you as the arbiter on all decisions because that's what brings you a sense of security. And especially if you're operating from the posture of the previous one, you're never enough. You won't delegate because delegating looks like giving away things and responsibilities and tasks. And if you think you're never enough, you can't give away anything. And so what do we have to do? Well, we need to surround ourselves with leaders. And the way that we do that is we operate with a sense of confident humility in who we are and what we're here to do. But that's one of the key indicators. If you look up and you say, man, I'm surrounded by followers right now, that could be a sign that you might be operating by some unhealth. And and the way to solve for that, first of all, is not to just say, I need to develop some leaders. That's not the solution because that is an external solution for an internal problem. I would argue that if you are surrounded by followers, you need to spend some time on these other ones, these things that point to your heart and that point to your head and say, What's your idea of freedom? Are you being present? Do you have a sense of stability that's rooted in priority plan and process? Because those are all internal decisions and the external ramifications of those internal decisions is you will be a leader with enough humble, confident security that can develop other leaders. Let's move on to the final one. Fragile, feeble, frantic, and weak leaders and businesses are consumed by what matters now. It's always putting out fires. And then healthy, centered, stable, and strong leaders are focused on what matters most. What matters most for you as a person? What matters most for your business? What are you called to invest your time and your energy in? What does stewardship look like for your business in this season? And do you have the ability to be focused on that? And if you don't, it's okay. It's just time to change. And that's the way that I would wrap all of this up. I I want us to look at the full list of what healthy looks like. And what I want us to recognize as we look at this is the same thing we said in the beginning. My request to you out of this episode is not perfection. But here's what I'm also challenging you on is do not sit around and say, I'm going to wait till circumstances are convenient for me to become healthy. It will never be more convenient or easier for you to become healthy as a business or as a person than literally today, right now. This is the easiest it will ever be because the further you go down the path of frantic, feeble, fragile, and weak, the further you walk on that path, the longer it's going to be to turn around and come back the other direction. So what would it look like to start right now? And I'm I'm not asking you to apply yourself to a standard of perfection. I'm asking you to apply yourself to a standard of commitment, to be deeply invested in this, to care about this, to hold this up as a priority. So let's look at the list of what it would look like for you to follow the path of practicing healthy growth as a leader, as a person, and as an organization. 
Well, if you're healthy, you're going to be priority, plan, and process driven. You're going to be preoccupied with your commitments, investing yourself fully in where you are right now. And because you're preoccupied with your commitments, you're going to be outrageously present wherever you are, be all there. And, and in light of all those things, you're going to look up and you say, I'm a work in process, but I like the person that I'm becoming. The trajectory that I'm on, the direction that I'm going is taking me to a future that I actually desire and that looks good for me. And I'm not falling for this irrational lie that I'm going to compound misery and somehow find fulfillment. I also like the organization that we're becoming. I'm proud of our organization's culture. I'm proud of the way that we're making decisions. I'm proud of the way that we're treating people. I'm proud of the way that we're moving forward and and that we're not sacrificing things that matter in pursuit of growth. You're going to enjoy the process and delight that today is what we've got and today is such a gift and I'm grateful for it. And it may not be easy, it may not be comfortable, but man, there's fun to be had in discomfort because discomfort is just a synonym for growth. So today we get to grow and that is a gift. You're also going to experience contentment and you're going to know that contentment is not complacency because complacency is to be stagnant and stultified, but contentment is to be gracious, grateful, and delighted. Along with that, you're going to delight in the freedom that is possible in the present, knowing that freedom is not around the corner, but freedom is the ability to do the things that will make you happiest in a thousand years and the things that will make you happiest in a thousand years. It's not that you can't do them. It's not that you don't do them. It's that you won't do them. And so what would it look like for you to choose the activities that will make you feel most free? And you're going to be humbled up by this idea of like, I'm not enough today. And the good thing is, is that I'll never be enough. There's never going to be this day where you say, I'm finally enough. I'm finally figured it out. I'm finally fully grown. But thankfully, Christ in me, Jesus, my Savior, His grace, His truth, His sovereign power, His omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence, that in me is enough for what will be required of me today. And because of all those choices that you've made, you're going to look up and you're going to be surrounded not by a bunch of followers looking for tasks to be given and things to do, but rather you're going to be surrounded by leaders. And those leaders are going to be characterized by the way they make decisions, by the way they take risks, by the way they create, by the way they invest in people, by the way they love the process. And in so many ways, all these decisions that we've talked about today that you're going to make for yourself, they're just going to be magnified and amplified and multiplied by the people that you work with. And therefore, the people that you work with are going to be such a joy to be around. And that's going to make your life even more fun. And then finally, you're going to be focused on what matters most. And you're going to get really clear. And your business is going to get really clear about why this all actually matters and what you actually stand for. And you're going to spend less and less and less time on things that, quite frankly, don't matter. And you're going to be focused and deliberately committed to the things that really matter. And you're going to steward those things and take responsibility for those things. And in that, people are going to benefit from the overflow of you and your leadership, but also from your organization. That's what it looks like to practice healthy leadership. And remember, I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm asking you to practice it. What would it look like for you to move the needle in these areas and to start becoming that person, not just for yourself, but for others? And as our mission statement says, um, I believe that when you step into who that person is, man, others absolutely benefit. They're going to feel the overflow of that. And because you become more of that, they will also become more of that. But in that, God is glorified. And you will be pointing towards your creator 
And people will say, oh, this is the way that it's supposed to be. So I hope that this is helpful today. Uh, you know that so much uh, of this content is reflected in the email content that we send out every Wednesday. I really don't like email that much. So whenever we decided to start a weekly email, we said it better be worth it. And so this is now some of my favorite writing that I do every single week. We call it Worth It Wednesday. Every Wednesday, you're going to receive a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, a recommendation worth taking. You're also going to get a short video that describes and elaborates on the principle. You can literally go through this email in under three minutes. And so many of you have already done that. If you want to be part of the Worth It Wednesday community, you can sign up at pathforgrowth.com or at the link that's in the show notes. Y'all know this. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.